1: And I've been excited about our time together. I, I brought a, a small souvenir back from my northern journey right here in my chest back with me. And so I've had a, a bit of a, a time, but I've managed to preach twice this morning already, so I can cut loose this time. Is that all right? So I am excited about what God's going to reveal through His word. If it challenges us, as much as it has the, the, the earlier two services, then uh, we, it's what we need. I mean, you know, sometimes you you got you to gotta take a good bath. Amen. We, we'll tell Charlie, now Now Charlie, go take a bath. Charlie will go in there and he'll come back and he'll lean in for his good night hug and Christine will say, you don't smell clean. So now when he comes out of his bath, he walks up and says, smell my hair, you know. (laughs) And I think sometimes when we come to God's house, we just want to bathe, but we don't want to get clean. And and I think he wants to clean us with his word. The Bible says you're washed with the word. And so today, I just pray that the Lord's going to speak to us through this, this time. Amen. Father, before we open the word today, I pray you'll speak to us, change our hearts, change our lives make us yours. You are good, and your mercy endures forever. Open your word that we might not just be bathed, but we might be clean. Come on, help me with that. Lord, let make us clean in Jesus' name. Let us become what you want us to be, a people rightly dividing the word of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 22, Matthew chapter 22. I want to bring you a message this morning entitled, All In, All In. What does it mean to be all in the word all i don't think we grasp it sometimes this week you know we we had a day of observation i, I don't call it a holiday but a, but a day of observation and this day of observation was on tuesday how many of you know what tuesday of this past week was d day it was the the day we remember june 6 19 19- and forty-four, the day that Normandy was invaded. Might as well just go ahead and do it, right, and be through with it. But uh, uh, it's the day we remember the clash of men on the beaches of Normandy. In this one assault, the Nazi commander who stood the ground on the great iron wall they built uh, to prevent uh, the Allied troops from invading, to restore freedom to Europe, he made this statement. He said, this one battle will decide the war. This battle matters. It will decide the war. It is a win or lose moment. I, I'm so, supposed to talk for a moment before I say this, but I wonder how many of you understand you face win or lose moments in your life. There are battles that are make or break moments. There are decisions that you're going to make that you must make. And there, there are things that you're going to have to prioritize in your life. And you're going to have to become all in if you want to see success at those moments. Those men would leave their transport. It was not the perfect day for this battle to begin the only way they could land was at certain tides and certain weathers and the weather had shifted suddenly, but they, they, they had to because it would have taken weeks, if not months to, to reestablish the possibility for this invasion. So they, they came on anyway, knowing that some men would be lost to the weather alone. Before this day would be over, 15,000 casualties would be tallied. 15,000 that would only be the beginning that before this assault would be through, 425,000 people would be considered a casualty of this advancement. But eventually, the battle would be won. Because the battle mattered. Spiritually in our lives, we are fighting a battle that matters. It is time for us to make our decision that we are not going to be half-hearted in this anymore. It is time for us to make our decision that we are not going to be sidetracked by skirmishes any longer. It is time for us to make up our minds that the battle that we are in for Christ we have committed to and we are in it win or lose. We will not give up. We will not go back. We will honor Jesus Christ no matter what happens in our lives. Amen. And the only way you're going to get there is it's going to have to encompass all of who you are. You're going to have to go all in concerning your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're going to have to follow him with a passion that comes from a commitment to who you are. You must realize you are either in or out. It's either all on the table or it's not on the table at all. There is no halfway. Jesus said it. This way, he said, you're either for me or you scatter abroad. You're not, you're either for me or you're working against me, essentially is what he said. Jesus said, there is no middle ground here and you must make up your mind where you're going to be. So we must find a way to give all. Now, I think we have a misconstrued idea of what all can be. I mean, to me, all means all. I mean, it's kind of easy. All is all. But I apparently don't know how to communicate the, the depths of the importance of all. I don't know about you, but our family's busy. And sometimes we get a little too busy and, and we get a little behind on the laundry. Can I get an amen from anybody else? And after we get a little behind on the laundry, uh, we have a, a laundry day. And after a laundry day, there's a small mountain in my room. And I like to have what I call a laundry party about that time. Sometimes it's a small party. Well, what happens afterwards is we gather the children in and we say, Now, we want you to take all your clothes. Don't stop. Don't watch TV. Don't return to video games. Don't do anything else until you have taken all of your clothes to your room. Now, don't throw them in the floor in your room. Don't take them halfway. Go put them where they belong in your room. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. I take most of that in faith that they've done that part. But where I examine is where I sent them forth and with that one command. And I have said, I know none of you probably ever said this before in your lives, but I've called them back in most days. Let me not say some, but I want to say almost every single time. And I've said this statement. uh, What part of all did you not understand? Why are your socks and your underwear still on my bed? Why are, are those things still here? I thought I was clear in my definition of all. There comes a time that you have to define all. Now, when, when you define all, it means that, it means I wanted it all to be a part because it's all in living by that kind of definition that it's all or nothing. It, it, that's the, the carpe diem, the seize the day. That's the just do it with our life moments. The, it, it, it's that, I mean, nobody wants to go watch a sports movie over a team that only gave halfway. I'm just going to say this from Atlanta. Nobody likes to watch a team that only played the first half. Let that one sink in now. As my, my tears streamed down my face making that statement. We want to see somebody that's going to go, oh, the way. Boy, I just lost this whole congregation right there. We like to see the moments. I mean, no one wants to watch some, read some book of somebody who just gave a half-hearted try of something. We want to go all in, understanding all in to get that. Now I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 22 for just a moment. And as we go to Matthew chapter 22, we're going to go down to verse number 34. And I want you to have that concept with me. Matthew twenty-two thirty-four 34 begins like this. They've been challenging Jesus. And the Bible says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, or he's, so he's already put everybody, all them to shame, the Pharisees got together. One of them, notice this, an expert of the law. Tested him with this question. He basically says, Okay, I'm I'm an expert here. I know what I'm talking about. Let's see if you know what you're talking about. And this is what he asked Jesus. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He said, I'm an expert in this. I know, do you? Jesus replied, verse number 37. Would you read his reply with me? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with All your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it here. Go with me. Love your neighbor as yourself. One more word there. What's that word? All. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Now that's interesting. Jesus said, I'm going to settle this thing for you. This is how much I want you to love me. With all that you are. But I fear that most of us are still leaving some things on the table. We gather up what we can carry in one load of our life. Thank you. Some are helping me in this service, I, I've been waiting in every service. Some of us gather up what we can carry, but we're like, God, that, that, you know, I, I'm sorry, I missed that. But God doesn't really count us any slack here. He makes it clear. I want one thing from you. Everything. That's what God says. i am not come to condemn you this morning because I, I am one of you this morning. But the word is plain. He doesn't say love me with some of your heart. He doesn't say love me with the part that you trust me with. He says I want you to love me with all your heart. I want you to be so committed to me that it's everything. It's all compassing. It it, it consumes who you are. I mean, the hardest verse in this, uh, hardest word in this passage is all. I mean, love that that's a good one. Love God, that's a good word. Commandment, that's good. But but it doesn't compass what everything here is. Is that it's saying that in order to love God, it, it's going to take all of who you are. Now to define all and to understand all, we have to understand that in the English language you cannot define a word by itself. So how do you define all without using all? In the totality of who you are? So let's translate it that way. Love the Lord totally. In the totality of your being. In the completeness of who you are. Love God completely. Now, I didn't say this in any other service, but I, I just feel it bubbling up in my heart. It's sort of like when you start falling in love with your, with your spouse and, and you, you know, you've just met and, and it's that kind of night and, and you've been on the phone too long. See, we used to do that. We used to talk on the phone. We couldn't see each other. You had to talk on the phone. And it went something like this. Well, I guess it's time to go. Yes. Well, you talk a few more minutes. Well, I guess it's time to go. Yes. You talk a few more minutes. Well, I guess it's time to go. Well, yes. And finally, somebody would have to say it, but I don't want to say goodbye first. Imagine how your life has changed. You're like, good night and roll over now. Come on. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, though. Because of your love, you wanted to be together. I heard uh, Paul Alyssa this week. She made a statement to him that, that that, that, that uh, sorry for bringing this up. She said, you know, uh, we'll be able just to go home then. That looking forward to the oneness together. You see, with God, when we're really completely in love with God, we're not willing to say, I'll see you later first. We become the person who becomes consumed. We're sitting around drawing love notes about God. If you could send God emojis, what would they look like? I guarantee you some of you are going to try to show me. Come on, amen. But what would they look like? Because we used to have to draw pictures for, our, for the people we like. Come on. But because we're falling in love with Him, we want to make it clear that He's our all. You see, when you're all in love with someone, it becomes what you think about. It becomes who you think about. So if we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, it means it becomes the driving force to who we are. It begins to measure every ounce of our lives, and as it measures every ounce of our life, it changes the way we live. And over in First Corinthians chapter seven, I'm going to give you some scriptures there. But over in First Corinthians chapter seven, verse number twenty-three, if you want to open there, it makes a statement regarding to what God, how God feels about your all. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse number twenty-three reads like this: He says, "You were bought at a price." All right, you belong, you're paid for. Do not become the slaves of men. He said, I have paid for you. You are bought with a price. We're going to go to to the sixth chapter and the 19th verse in just a moment so you'll understand more of what the concept of what was being said here is this. But he says, hey, I paid the whole price for you. Now, if somehow you were blessed and, and you woke up tomorrow and there was enough money, in your checking account, and somehow it stayed there for you to go down to the local car lot and buy your dream vehicle. And so you walked in and paid cash. You paid the entire price. You didn't even have to haggle. Some of you wouldn't enjoy that if you didn't get to haggle, but you don't even know. You go in and pay the price, and you walk out, and you put the key in, and nothing happens. How happy are you going to be when you go back in and, they, and you say to them, what's wrong with my new car? I just paid the price. I didn't even haggle with you. I paid the price. And they say to you, oh, yes, yes, we didn't include the operating computer with that car. I didn't argue. I paid the full price. I want it to work the way it's supposed to. But you see, what this verse is really getting to is this. God saw us, and the only price that was sufficient for us was death, and He didn't even haggle. He came and He paid the price, but He wants it to include the operating system of our lives so that we become totally focused on honoring Him in every situation because in uh, Corinthians 6 and 19, it reads like this. It says, Do you not know... Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Who have you received who you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore honor God with your body. God says, I'm not only asking for your all because uh, I want your all. He said I'm asking for your all because I bought your all. I paid for the price for your grace. that, That salvation that he gave to us freely comes with a high price that he paid for us to receive that gift. And he's saying, when you make a decision, have me in mind. When you react to something, have God's will and God's glory in mind. When that sin that keeps calling you back, that has not paid for you but it has cost you dearly, keeps calling you back, remember he that paid the price. Keep him in mind and watch yourself have a strength to overcome the darkness because you stopped living for yourself and you became solely committed to living for God. Because he became your all. So if you're going to go all in, you've got to understand the language of those who live in an all-in place. The language of those who live in an all in place are people who understand that they are not their own. That they love God with all of their heart, with all of their soul and with all their might. That they take every ounce of who they are and they make it, they make it about who he is. It becomes the first thing you think of in the morning. As I've been sick, I haven't been up to some of the the uh, uh, playtimes that Charlie and I'll have throughout the week, and 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 so he's been asking me to to do something with him, and I hadn't had time and hadn't felt up to to doing that, and so he's just been it's been constant, been asking, and, and so yesterday morning he comes in, I'm I'm praying, I'm studying, I see him coming, he's he's got his blanket up on his head, and he's waddling through the house, and the first thing out of his mind was, can we do it now? Out of his mouth was, can we do it now? Because it had consumed him. How much more should the first thing be out of our mouths every morning? God, how can I honor you today? Is this true? How can, I, how can I serve you today, God? How can I please you today, God? See, the problem with a sermon like this is we realize we don't measure up to this, so we don't want to say amen. We'd rather say, oh, me. But the problem is it still doesn't change the fact it's true. He wants our all, even if the guy bringing the message hasn't figured it out yet. Are all, are all. You see, the ultimate language of those who are all in is a language of living and dying. I, don't, I didn't plan this this when I wrote this sermon, but I I've shared it in all the others. So I'll share it in this service as well. My kids somehow. I think we were on the way to Florida a few years ago. One of the, you know, that stretch when you're going to Panama where there's like. Seems like a thousand miles of just pine trees, and there's nothing. We were out there, and and so I I couldn't really pick up any any good music. So I said, "Well, play something." And so they found something. This song came on, and I don't know who it's by, and and, uh, don't holler out who it's by. We're not glorifying them, and it's, it's probably not the best song in the world, but but I like it. It's called "You Better Dig Too." Don't raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. And I just love the song. Because it's this woman, she says, the day I married you, it was for good. I don't care how stupid you are, you're stuck with me to the end. As a matter of fact, when they dig your grave, they better dig too. You see, that's living and dying type of language. It's that kind of language that people who are all in for God say. It's not, God, I'm going to serve you half of the way. It's, God, I'm going to serve you all the way. There's actually a story about that in the Bible. There's a woman... By the name of Naomi, she and her husband and two sons go to a faraway land, and when they get to that faraway land, they leave their land, and when they get to that faraway land, they uh, they they marry, and the, the son's wives are named Orpha and and, uh, and Ruth. And Naomi's husband dies, and then both of the, the sons die, and so this this woman and her two, children, uh, two daughter-in-laws are sitting there, and she says, y'all go home, and they said, no, we're going to stay with you. And so they all start heading back. And when they, it's funny, when they get to the halfway point, what point? The halfway point, Orpha looks at Naomi at the halfway point and says this. Very interesting. She says at the halfway point, she says, I can go no further with you. Why? Watch this. Because her commitment from that moment further would have taken her closer to Naomi's plan than her plan. One more step, she'd been walking out of her plan, and she said, I've gone as far as I can go, and she turned and went back. And you see, that's the way a lot of us want to live for God. As long as it lines up with our plan, we're good to go the whole way, but when we start going through a fire we didn't expect, we're like, God, I don't know about this. I'm preaching truth this morning. God, I don't know about this. And God's Speaking to us that he wants us to become all in, but we've got to become more like Ruth who at this moment looks at Naomi and she makes a very clear distinction. She says, Naomi, where you go, I just want to be clear. That's where I'm going to go. Where you stop or where you live, that's where I'm going to live. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I love this paraphrase. I will die. My bones. You better dig too. We'll be next to yours. That's the kind of commitment that an all-in Christian has to have. God, I don't care what I'm about to have to walk through. You're still God because where you go, That's where I go. I'm going to honor you all the days of my life. It's that kind of live or die language that, that Job even said. He said, though he slay me, yet will I serve him for I I know my Redeemer lives. He said, I've got a glimpse of the fact of who God is and nothing else is going to satisfy me. I can't go back. I can't turn around. I can't stop. I can't, I can't be living halfway in, halfway out. I've crossed the line. I'm further in God's plan than my plan and I like God's plan better anyways and I'm not quitting. I'm all in. You see, all in changes everything. Paul said the same thing in, in Philippians. He, he told him, he said, look, I'm all in. I, this is settled. He said, it, it, it's done. Philippians chapter 1, I think it's verse uh, number 12. He, he, he says this. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He said, don't pity me. God's being glorified through my actions. Woo. That's good. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, listen, because of what I've went through and how I'm honoring God in the middle of what I'm going through, everybody knows that I'm here because of Jesus. I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Because somebody went all in, listen to me carefully, because somebody went all in. What happened? Others went all in. God was glorified. I don't know who you are and why God sent this message here today for you, but I do know we all need it, but somebody needs it particularly. When you go forward, go forward solely committed to God, that come what may, you're going to glorify God, and even others will see and be encouraged by where you go and what happens in your life. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of, Christ, of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. He said it isn't going to change. For me, here's a famous scripture, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I want to share a few stories with you. For some reason this service, another story has come to my mind. It's the end of Mel Gibson's The Patriot. Troops have begun to turn and flee until he picks up the flag and goes all in. I don't know who you are, but the people in your life may be shaken, but you are going to have to pick up this charge and go all in and watch others begin to follow. The same type courage occurred on Omaha Beach, June 6, 1944. Andy Rooney, at that time, a young reporter, showed up and he made this statement. He said, never before in the history of the world do I believe one day has defined the world as much as June 6th, 1944. He said it was the commitment of this day that as 18, 19, and 20-year-olds gave their all that changed history. Stephen Ambrose, the historian, spoke of the commitment of the boys climbing off of these transports, and he said this. He said, I can find no historical evidence that even one of the first wave, even one of the first wave survived. The price was high but they kept fighting until the victory was won. Folks, the price is high, but serving Jesus is the only outcome that is acceptable. Serving Jesus took a young party of families, five young men and their families to Ecuador in the 50s. A football star, a a, a college champion wrestler, debate uh, stars, one of which the most well-known's name was Jim Elliott. They made a movie about Jim and these young men a few years ago called The End of the Spear. If you haven't seen it, I'd encourage you to watch it. One phrase out of that bull be I am your sincere Christian friend, has become something we use in my family. That, that fateful morning they would make a movie about, not a morning when someone went halfway, but a morning that someone was willing to embrace the crucible for the cause of Christ. The Wandabi people needed Jesus. No one would go to take them, Jesus, because it would mean that this headhunting band might take their heads. Jim Elliott felt the call of God. He gathered these other young men, and they felt the call of God as well. So early one day, they landed a plane upon the shores outside the village. As they prepared to try to greet, and they just wanted to establish relationship, learning phrases like, I am your good friend. They stood up on the shore as the Wandami people came out of the forest and with their spears ended each of their lives. Jim Elliott would say this before he would go. He said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. When you're already sold out, it's you're sold out. Now this phrase not only inspired Jim Elliot, this thought pattern, but after the death of those men, literally scores and scores of young people from the United States fled to the mission field around the world. And millions upon millions of people received Christ. But probably not the greatest effect of all. The greatest effect of all was a young woman and her young son, the widow of Jim Elliot. She would take her young son and instead of fleeing Ecuador, she would move to the village of the Wandami people and share the love of Christ with the very men who had killed her husband. Eventually, leading to Christ, His murderer, who would become the elder of the church and would help raise that young son into a man. That's all in. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever had either Borden cheese or drank Borden milk? Anybody in this place? Yeah, a few of you. The Borden... Family fortune belonged to a young man by the name of William Borden. At eight years of age, William Borden walked an aisle in Moody Church after hearing the great orators speak and gave his life to Jesus Christ, and was never the same from that moment forward. At sixteen, this this extremely wealthy family wanted their son to at least become a little more worldly wise, so they they gave him as a gift uh, uh, during that. Fargo era, but it was a trip around the world so that he might become more experienced in the ways of the world, and and so they sent him forth to the world, but instead of him becoming more sinful, he returned with a passion for the poverty that he had seen. William Borden committed his life to become a missionary. He graduated high school, went to Yale to prepare to be a missionary. There were 1,300 students at Yale that year. By his senior year, 1,000 of the 1,300 students were all under his discipleship in his prayer group. A man would come through sharing about the the spread of Islam in China and William Borden would answer the call to head to China. On the way to China, he would stop off in Cairo feeling compelled of God to learn Arabic so that he could minister to those involved in the Islamic faith. As he went and stopped in Cairo at 25 years of age, he contracted meningitis and died. When hearing... hearing about his death, this is what one of his friends wrote. I have absolutely no feeling of a life cut short. A life abandoned to Christ cannot be cut short. Cut short means not complete, interrupted, and we know that our Master does no halfway jobs. They would gather the personal effects of young Borden and send them back to his mother, and she would find this written in his hand in his Bible, no retreat, no reserves, no regrets. All in goes all the way. can I share one more with you in closing today? A young family that members of this picture have been in attendance here in our church many times, some for a decade at least. This young family... Jerry and Nola met in Bible college after she'd been raised in Marietta, Georgia. They fell in love, married, had three sons, Jerry Jr., Mark, and Philip. They would go to a part of our continent that was under the stranglehold of a group of priests who did not want anyone to preach the free gospel of Jesus Christ and they would set up a church and begin to win souls. They would block off areas from them so what young Jerry would do is he would take his plane and he would fly and drop the tracks over behind the lines they couldn't get into so that the people might know that there is one mediator between God and man and it is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. The priests became so enraged that they gathered and they, they, they gathered together and marshaled the people and they took their guns to the streets and as Jerry flew over, they shot his plane down. Jerry was killed in the crash. They went into the plane that had been engulfed in flames, took his charred body from the plane, drug him into the city square, took machetes to his body, and then paraded the people by to defecate upon his body. That young woman with those young sons put them in the care of some of the people in the church, got a truck, a couple of men, and drove through the crowd, collected the pieces of her husband's body, put them in a truck, drove him to Texas, buried him there. As they gathered for the funeral, her family was in, in horror because she was going to return to finish the work. Her father, who was a mentor of mine in many ways, tried to stop her. So he sued her for custody of those children so that she would not abandon her children by following the call of Christ. She was able to take her children eventually. She won, and she gathered them, and quickly they were back across the border. She went back to the town that murdered her husband and built a church that has become a ministry that is one of the largest Spanish-speaking ministries on the planet. Why? Because when you love Him with all that you have, you follow Him with all that you are. The little things that have been making you question if you want to serve God, if you want to follow God, if you feel like praising today, they're not as important anymore. Do I have to preach and say amen? I'm trying to tell you Jesus is worth everything you give Him. Jesus, what do you want of me? He makes it real simple. Everything. Love me with all of your heart. Love me with all of your soul. Love me with all of your mind. Stop being indecisive. Now, Pastor, I feel condemned. You shouldn't feel condemned because I stand here with you, just as guilty. I'm not there yet. As a matter of fact, the only person I want to feel that they that they've been preached to are those who feel like you're already there, because you're not. Paul said, "I hope I can finish strong." We all must move forward pastor i'll never be able to give it my all listen just because you can't get all the way doesn't mean you shouldn't start moving some of the way and as you move some of the way he'll carry you the rest of the way and before long like paul people will see who god is in your life stand with me if you would this morning all what's that also all for jesus i surrender i tell you he's been good to us, Bow your heads with me in this place. Father, you have been faithful through every storm. You have never gone half of the way with us, but you have always gone all the way with us. Thank you for how you're speaking to us now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, listen to me carefully. When you give God your all, you'll find out that he's been giving you his all all along. It's time for you to make up your mind. It's time for you to settle. I'm going to follow God with all that I am. Where he leads, I will follow. I will honor God. If your desire today, I hope this is the overwhelming majority, but your desire is to follow God in this command to love him with all. Can I see your hand if that's? Father, you see our hands as they go up this morning. You are faithful and you are just. We thank you, God, that you enable us when we ask you answer. Lord, help us to be faithful in our all for your glory. Put those hands down, keep your heads bowed for just a moment. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I want to give him my all, but I've never given him a really anything at all. I've never completely surrendered my life to Jesus. But today, I either want to give my life to Christ or I want to recommit my life to Christ because I want Him to have my all. If that's you today, nobody's gonna embarrass you. I didn't embarrass the last batch to raise their hands. But I want to see your hand right where you are. If today you want to settle your life for Christ, thank you, is there another? Thank you, is there another? In Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Quickly, I saw about four or five hands go up. Is there anybody else? Quickly. In Jesus' name. All right, hold hands with someone near you if you want. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we would be born again. We're going to pray a prayer of confession with these as they confess Christ, confess their sinners and their need for a savior. We believe that Jesus is going to change them for all eternity. Let's pray together. Jesus, right now, by faith, I believe your promises. Come on, I want everybody to pray with me. I believe your promises. Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Forgive me of my sins. By faith in Jesus Christ, I receive your grace by faith from this moment forward. I believe Jesus came for me, he died for me, and now he lives for me. Forevermore, God is my Father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. Amen and amen. Would you give the Lord a praise this morning? Hallelujah. Amen.